0: Welcome to Coco Conjures. Here we discuss all things conjure, magic, and wellness. We'll go over folklore, tools, magical concepts, and the occasional personal story. My goal, give foundational knowledge and a touch of inspiration so you can build your own personal practice or add to your personal practice. If you haven't guessed already, my name is Coco. So for the first episode, I thought we would start with a personal story. Here is how I build my own personal practice easily my personal practice and my journey to it can be broken down into a few uh, overarching topics the first topic and easily the scariest one for me was deconstructing my beliefs I was having a conversation with a friend and she was telling me that she just didn't want to deconstruct. She was afraid of the deconstruction process because she felt like um she felt like it was giving up and getting rid of what she believed. You know, at the time I told her that that's not the case. You know, deconstruction doesn't have to be you giving up your faith. It's just deep diving into really exploring what it is that you believe. And seeing if your moral compass and your beliefs line up with your religion or faith that you're in. And I feel like I I said it out of the kindness of my heart, really. But truly, I do think that anyone starting the deconstruction process knows in their heart of hearts that they will eventually lose their faith. I was listening to a podcast called Mormon Stories Podcast. No, I'm not Mormon. Um, and on the podcast, it was like, I think like years ago or so, um, one of the guests said that they didn't lose their faith, their faith evolved. And I really feel like that's what happened to me. So let's go back to the beginning. Um, I grew up in a Lutheran school like my my parents paid for me to go to private school. I grew up in a Lutheran school. When I say Lutheran school, I mean there was a church attached, a church I was confirmed into by the time I was 12 or 13 years old. Um I was one of five black kids who went to this church or the school, I should say, when I first started. Definitely one of the only black people in the church at the time. And um it was a a very loving and very caring environment. Um, I think maybe because I had tenure there because I grew up in that place, everyone uh, made sure to include me and to love me and to make sure that um, all of my, my creative endeavors and whims and uh, educational needs were met and encouraged. So, Uh, When I went to church there, it was very much like jeans and come as you are and smiles on your face and real simple music, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, real, real simple stuff. I say all of this to say uh, that my experience during the summer was different. During the summertime, I went down south to visit my grandmother Down south, I say that like you, you know, where in the south, she was from South Carolina. She was born and raised in South Carolina. She moved back to South Carolina, um, after a stint in Maryland for a while. And that experience was completely different, like truly 100%, completely, completely different. Um, basically (laughs) it was like, a black baptist pentecostal kind of church so you every time you went in it was a fashion show you know the wide brim hats and the silk color matching um suits and you had to have hose on your legs and no woman ever wore pants and um you know your shoulders had to be covered and everybody was sister this or mother that. And when the preacher preached, man, you could be in there for hours with that preacher preaching with the sweat dripping down his forehead and the ushers were passing out fans and people were passing out. And there was an air conditioning unit in the church and they even had at one point an air conditioning fund. But for whatever reason, during the hottest months of the year, the air conditioning never, ever worked. So I am covered from head to toe and clothes like literally neck to ankle completely covered in the middle of the summertime, July, August, you know, summertime heat, get trying my best not to pass out in this church. Cause it was so hot. Oh my goodness. Uh, so I had very much a very Christian upbringing, you know, and I had a Christian worldviews. Um, I was taught in school, you know, that gayness was a problem that, um, anything I think on the queer spectrum, be it gender or sexual preference or whatever, anything out of the norm was an issue. Um, that basically, if if I could sum it down, in order to have morals, in order to have um, qualities of good good, in order to have good qualities, in order to be a person of good character, you had to be Christian. It was told to me in Lutheran school, you know, uh, September to June, and then from. June to August, when I went in South Carolina to, you know, visit my grandparents, it was reinforced um, in the very black way. Uh, So imagine little old me when I leave that Lutheran school and I stop going to my grandparents' house and I um, go into a very creative arts, visual arts, stage arts, performing arts, high school, you know, first day was a culture shock. There was a plethora of people. The seniors were comfortable with themselves and and who they were dating and what they looked like. People were cartwheeling down the halls in tutus and there was cursing and everybody was, you know, drinking a cup of coffee and talking philosophical. Like it was a whole culture shock for me. And I think by time my sophomore year, when I snapped out of that culture shock and I really embraced the culture and the atmosphere of this high school, I realized that you don't have to be Christian in order to be a good person. Like I am working with, I am sitting next to, I am studying with hardworking people who Uh, just want to be treated well and who want to treat other people well. And they just want to get through high school, you know, and, and embrace their creativity, embrace their talent. And this one's atheist and that one's Buddhist. And that one is a different religious thing every other week. And this one is nihilistic and everything is just, you know, as long as we're respectful to each other, as long as we don't harm each other, everything goes here. That was that was the start, I think, of just my worldview being challenged and changed. I grew up with one thing and now I'm in uh, performing arts and visual arts school where that, you know, 13 years of of indoctrination into Christianity is being challenged and being proved wrong, you know. So it probably wasn't until college um, that things started to get a little more nihilistic for me. Like, I, I couldn't even figure out why we were here in the first place. No, nothing lined up for me. And even though through high school, I definitely still accepted Jesus, Jesus as my Savior. And I knew that there was a God and I could identify the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm sitting here as a college senior getting ready to face the world. And I felt spiritually empty like truly spiritually empty and as I sat contemplating what the point of life was and knowing that I didn't want to go home to my parents and that I couldn't quite make it on my own and knowing that things how I thought the world worked, is not how the world actually works I just I realized that I needed to change. I needed to change how I saw the world, so that way I could navigate in the world better. And my first thing to come to to terms with was the fact that, as much as I tried to seek solace in a church um, while I was in college or in spiritual groups, it did not fill my cup. I could no longer rectify the teachings that I know and was taught and the world around me and how it actually works. And I think in this place too, it it dawned on me that living my life in service of my afterlife did not make sense. Like I am putting myself through trials and tribulations so that I can sit in heaven. And these are in fact trials and tribulations that are self-imposed. And then, oh my goodness, as I got out of college and I started to build myself back up, and I took a deeper look at my Christian faith and what it was, even though now I'm I'm a little more removed from it, I just wanted to figure out like what like what is this thing, and can I go back to it? I realized that all those years in a Lutheran school, all those years in and out of black churches, and I only had a pop culture understanding of the Christian religion. 13 years in a Lutheran school. I was like three years old. I graduated, I was like 13, 14. Well, so that wouldn't be 13, it's more like 10, 11 years. So 10, 11 years in a Lutheran school, and no one ever told me how the Bible was formed. No one ever explained to me early, uh, the early schism in Christianity. No one ever told me who wrote the books of the Bible. None of that. I could, I could keep going, but let's stay on track. I say all of this to say that by challenging my beliefs, by comparing my beliefs to the world that I see in front of me, I decided that I would rather live for my here and my now using the talents I have instead of living for what happens when I pass and in doing so I unburdened myself I freed myself because now I had the chance to completely decide my view of life I could I could choose my cosmology I could build my own world I understood that you know I am a thing made of stardust on a planet hurling through space that there isn't much of a disconnect between you and me and that tree and that rock. We're all going through the same thing together. So if that's the case, I get to decide how I want to experience my time here on earth. And that I swear to God was so freeing. I did not. And I would encourage you not to jump from one religion or faith or ideology to another one until you've had a chance to get it out of your system, to unconnect from it. So after college, I did that. I believed nothing. Everything was true. Nothing was true, (laughs) whatever. That was my feel on the whole matter. I just needed to get, from sunrise to sunset and then from sunset to sunrise. That's all I had to do. I was riddled with anxiety um about the world in front of me because you know now I just I decided that I don't believe this thing anymore. Right? So how do I navigate now? Even before when I was removed from it, I at least had it as a framework. But now I've I tossed out the framework. So I started by trying to remedy small issues in my life. Um, And by doing so, I swear to God, I slid straight into the spiritual space, straight into witchcraft and, and conjure and folk magic. So here's how that happened. I expressed to my sister that I was having a hard time sleeping, that I was having a hard time getting through, And she got me two things. She got me an oil diffuser, (laughs) essential oils to spirituality pipeline. She got me an oil diffuser and uh, like a pack of oils. And she said as a nurse that um, in order to help calm her patients, they have lavender oil in the hospital. And she encouraged me to put some lavender oil in there. And then me being me, I went online online. Uh, Cause as a millennial, that's a thing you could do, <laughs> you know, at, at that age. And I went online and I looked up, okay, so how does, how do successful people get rest? How How do they do that? So I learned, okay, you dim the lights, you set a bedtime, you make sure that you have, um, you know, a journal, get your thoughts out on paper. So it's not in your head floating around, you take a nice warm hot soak uh and some epsom salt things like that. So basically what I did was I built this ritual around getting sleep, you know? It started with the oil diffuser and then I would put a little like lavender uh sachet that I found at like the dollar store or something under my pillow. So now I can smell that and I'm not having to keep buying oil cuz you know, I'm I'm a broke millennial out of college and um, essential oils are hell of expensive I don't know if y'all noticed and the Epsom salt became you know a spiritual bath for me I would add a couple essential a couple drops of essential oil in there and then I had a special lotion that I got from Bath and Body Works that was stress relief it was eucalyptus and thyme and lemon and I would you know slather myself down it at night and Literally, I built this ritual around my rest. The second thing my sister gave me was a bracelet. It had tiger's eye and hematite and it had lava stones. So I would anoint the lava stones and oil, be it essential oil, or I would sneak into my mother's room and get some of her holy oil that my grandmother had given her and i would put that on there. Cause I'm like, if I can just, whatever magic is in this bottle I want, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, And I, I would smell it, smell the olive oil, smell the, the lavender. And as I was going through my day, I would count the beads and take a breath for every bead just to get myself back to center. And then I picked up a habit that I had started in high school, uh, a part of a performing arts school as a, as an actor um, in high school, they taught us how to meditate because you have to center yourself and prepare your mind before going into character. So I started meditating again, which was helpful, very helpful for managing the anxiety of how the hell do I, how the hell do I live life? (laughs) You know? And eventually you get online long enough and you start looking up enough youtube pages and you start talking to people enough about what you're doing and you slide right into spiritual and wellness channels spiritual and wellness groups and now everything has a spiritual meaning as well as a mundane meaning and now i'm researching you know um not just sleep and essential oils but what kind of tea can i drink um how do i make my own whipped butters like things like that things to help me get through the day and then small things became rituals my walk to the bus stop to go to work became a ritual it became a part of the meditation the nighttime ritual I described um when I would get to work I worked my way up to being a manager I would literally go into the stock room at the box store I worked at and I would like just put on music and jam out or zen out, <laughs> you know, and make sure that it was something uplifting, make sure it was something that moved my spirit, even if it wasn't gospel music or Christian music. So I got to say probably around 2019, 2020, I'm, I am now am no longer in a, a retail space and I've got my first, you know, corporate office job and I've got time on my hands because anyone who works in an office knows, even though we're being paid to work eight hours, you probably only really work like four and a half, five. I started to research more and I decided that if I can choose how I want to live my life, if I get to choose how um, I see the world and I get to pick my cosmology, right? Because everything matters and nothing matters. So I get to choose it for myself, right? Right then why not just embrace the witch? Like, you know, like I'm just going to embrace it. So that's what I did. I started to look up spiritual movements and witchcraft and things like that. Now, one of the biggest movements that lined up with this new outlook was the neo-pagan movement, the witchcraft movement. And this comes to the next thing on my journey uh, of Trying to figure out my spiritual practice, trying to figure out figure out my magical practice, um, was the first thing you come across. The first thing that they ask you is, "What kind of witch are you? Are you a cosmic witch? Are you a sea witch? Are you a crystal witch? Are you a techno witch? You, you feel me, right?" And you'll find books and videos that like give you a brief snippet of what each of these witches are, and there's like countless of them, countless unimaginable amounts of them. I'm sure this is helpful for some people. And as much as we hate to place ourselves in boxes, it is helpful to have a starting point, to be able to define yourself. uh, So that way you have an idea of where you sit and where you want to go. I got to be honest though, I did not at all find which types, types of witches helpful. Like it was just not helpful. I I decided that if I was going to go into the spiritual space, I was going to approach it in a way that I did not approach my Christianity, or I should say I didn't have a chance to approach Christianity, which is I wanted to go in eyes open feet first. Like I wanted to study and I wanted to understand where things came from. And I wanted to make sure that I knew what I believed, before I dedicated myself to believing it. You can't, you can't do that. <laughs> Most of the, you can't do that with just witch types. Most of the time, these witch types don't even allow for deep, in-depth study, because the focus is on tools instead of like technique. So for example, I said that a witch type is a techno witch. A techno witch is somebody who uses technology in their witchcraft, or is the main focus of their witchcraft. So, like, they are casting spells using emojis. Uh, their altar would be on Pinterest. Okay, like, how many? How many of you out there who are broom closet witches or uh, broom closet occultists, and you have to have your altar? like on Pinterest or in a video game or something because otherwise you'll get kicked out of your house or people will think you're worshiping the devil or you know any amount of things like a lot of people are like that but there's like what's the technique to this what's the what's the thing that will impact my life and move my life forward or Tools I can use to better myself, like none. There, there's none there. There's, there's nothing there. Besides what I said, there's, there's nothing else. If I'm wrong, please send me a book. Send me some studies <laughs> about how a techno witch is a full path that you can traverse. So very early on, I, when I started, I pivoted to researching traditions instead of the type of which i automatically if if the person had a video or there was a book about a type of which i just chucked it in my mental trash can i don't want it so traditions i would define a tradition as schools of thought that have loose dogma and definable customs methods and techniques an example of this would be your chaos magician or hoodoo style conjure folk Catholicism, brujaria, and so on and so on. It could also be argued that religions can be included in this very, you know, nebulous definition I have of traditions. So like Wicca, for example, or uh, heathenry, the the, the Norse pagans, um, or the Hellenistic pagans. Hellenistic? Hellenist? The pagans that believe in the Greek and Roman gods, those people. (laughs) And you know, the Ifa and the African traditional religions or African derived religions, those are all traditions. What's great about studying traditions, instead of studying like the occult type or the witch type is that there's a lure in traditions. There's research on uh, on techniques that you can do and there's full communities around them. And even if you don't wanna partake in any one tradition, you can find enough inspiration to build a personal practice. Now, there is some nuance here, and I would, um, if you made it this far, uh, I would love to get a comment or a like, something like that. <laughs> um, so that way you can tell me what you think. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say this most witch types are actually small niche ideas, techniques, tools that are a part of a larger tradition and by looking at it from a tradition's perspective you could probably get more out of your practice example a green witchery is big you can find books on it there's um, youtube channels about it Um, everyone is foraging and Uh, for their herbs and they're growing their own herbs and they're tincturing and they're making tonics and they're making whatever, right? Like green green witchery. In my tradition, which I landed on hoodoo, which makes sense for me in a minute and I'll tell you why, but in hoodoo, we just call that root work, (laughs) right? Like the person that can grow herbs and understands what they do to the body and understands how to draw the spirit and the medicine out of that herb or root or whatever is a root worker. Now, if I said I was a green witch, that's nebulous. I could be an herbalist or something. If I said I'm a root worker, a hoodoo style root worker, now there's like, oh, okay. There's some weight there, right? Like you have an understanding of what it is that I do and what it is I might believe and where these beliefs are coming from. And if you didn't, you could type in who Rootwork root work in Google or an Amazon and you can get a book about it and learn the basics, learn some just general understanding of what that means. You might not learn, you know, uh, how the medicines are extracted the techniques that are used etc but you can figure out like oh okay this is this is information passed from you know uh person to person in the black community black american community and it comes from this area and it does this thing like you can figure that out like there's there's information there it's not as nebulous it's something that you can aim for so yeah what do you think i think that which types this idea of which types are just us extracting the tools and the technique and the customs out of larger traditions. Honestly, hot take. I know super hot take. <laughs> so what, what does this have to do with me? Okay. So now that I've pivoted from being a Pokemon and picking my type and instead of doing that, <laughs> instead of doing that, I decided to pick a tradition. Um, I started with Wiccan adjacent practices. I wanted to get as far away from what I knew was possible. And in my mind, Wiccan adjacent practices were as far away as possible. And I, it was odd. It was so odd to me. <laughs> The circle casting and all that, but I think it was a great place to test out my new cosmology. You know, um, I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad that I learned a little something. I'm glad that I went to those spaces and observed. Um, but eventually, and probably inevitably, I landed on Hoodoo. Uh, remember, I am a Black American who is the descendant of slaves who worked fields in South Carolina and Virginia. Right. Every time I went down south to visit my grandma, I I got Yes, I got the, the church and all that, but I was also steeped in these customs that were passed down from generation to generation. No one ever called it hoodoo. The, the circle of prayer, the laying of hands, the oil on the head before going on a road trip uh, back north, or the medicines that my grandmother would give me, these old school remedies that she would do instead of just going to the store and buying the, buying the off-the-shelf uh, medicine, over-the-counter medicine, like No one ever talked about it as hoodoo. And it's my goal to to get my grandmother on here so she can tell some stories. Um, As a matter of fact, my grandmother, when I ask her, she's a devout Christian. She She would tell you herself she is a devout Christian. But she's also got these old backwood tales and traditions, and she expresses her spiritual life in a way that is not biblical all the time. So I've got that. And then I'm seeing that with my mother as well. And um, now that my eyes are open to it, now that I know what I'm looking at, hoodoo felt like home to me. The groundwork is laid now. I have deconstructed and I'm starting on this new path uh, towards hoodoo and building a spiritual practice around that. When building my practice, I really wanted to tackle foundational ideas and techniques. Remember, I wanted to go in, eyes open, feet first. Now, that's going to look different based on the tradition you wish to incorporate into your personal practice. So um, keep that in mind as I move forward. I did not. <laughs> Y'all, some, some people about to get mad. I did not grow up in a conjure family. Remember, Lutheran school Um, September to June and Baptist churches, June to August, right? It wasn't an overt conjure family. Nobody was coming in asking my grandma for oils and things like that. Like that's not what that was. I know that that's very important to some people and not just in hoodoo, like for some people across all traditions, it's important that there's this blood lineage and unbroken chain of magic. But I'm not here to sell you on how powerful I may or may not be, right? No, I wanted to really, truly just reconstruct a practice that may have been done and then see how I can adapt that to my modern life. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there who want to follow the old gods or want to incorporate the old folk magic traditions that can really understand where I'm coming from with that. Like, we're not trying to be 100% traditional. I'm not trying to sell my practice or trying to convince other people that I am better than what I am. I simply just want to live. (laughs) I want to get through this life. That's all I want. (laughs) Right. So as a hoodoo practitioner trying to reconstruct a practice, some things I could learn by listening to living family stories. um, And just uncovering the lore of the people who passed away, my ancestors. But for me, at least, that was like half of it. I started to look into the history of hoodoo as researched by academics, as well as looked into what modern day hoodoo practices look like. And I learned a lot. And each point of study fed into another, like a really tight spiral example. I would read a book and learn about prayer cloths and the schism of the black church and traditional or maybe I should say plantation style hoodoo. Then I would ask my grandma about these prayer cloths and she would give me like five of them while telling me who in her network gives the most potent prayer cloth. And my, my mama's got a prayer cloth and my daddy's got a prayer cloth and my sister's got a prayer cloth. And I'm trying to figure out where was I, <laughs> you know, like, like, where was I in all of this? Why was I not paying attention? Right? So, so she tells me about the prayer cloths and who in her, ner- her who in her network had the most potent prayer cloths to use. And then she tells me how she got her first prayer cloth and a story about her aunt giving birth, which um, I'm gonna ask her to tell here because it's uh, it's not unknown knowledge, so it's worth telling. Uh, and then she tells me like the spiritual protocols around midwives and newborn moms and new moms. And then I would read about that birthing protocol she told me about in another academic text while learning about midwifery as it relates to hoodoo right so tight spiral really really tight spiral i read something and then i ask uh, my grandmother or my mom or an auntie about it and what like what that looks like in our family and then they answer and then give me a little something Right. And then they might even tell me a story of somebody who passed away and what they did with this thing and how great they were. And then I would take that information, write it down, and then I would keep studying and I would see it again. And then they would take it a little further. It was wonderful. It was a it was a wonderful, tight spiral. So on top of this family lore and this academic study that I'm doing, I could also deploy my own cosmology, like how I see the world, how I think the spiritual world works, how I feel an afterlife, like what that would look like. I I can mix all of that together to build my practice. And like I said, it's going to look different for you. Your family's not my family. You know, you might be a white person and I don't know, Germany. Like, who do what? Huh? Like, so (laughs) it's going to look different for you. Um, Whatever you decide, it's a good idea to just grasp the basics. Research the folklore, the research your family lore. uh, Try to get anthropology texts to see, you know, um, what it was like, who the original people who practiced this tradition were like and then test those methods, test those methods within your practice. And if you can find somebody, if you've got your grandma or an auntie or a neighbor or a mentor that wants to, wants your spiritual life to grow, that wants to include you into their community, run ideas by them, but don't rush it. There is a lot to understand and a lot to try out. So take your time, truly. don't feel as though, and I think this was helpful when trying to unlock these secrets from my grandmother. I never felt as though she owed me that story. First, she had to realize that I wasn't gonna make fun of her for believing these things or doing these things. And then I, and that, you know, me as a millennial in 2023, 2024, 2020, 2021, whatever, like me as a millennial now in a city who has the world's knowledge at her fingertips does not think it's weird, you know, that she used aloe to heal this or she used turmeric to cure that or like whatever it was that she did. Right. Like, I don't think that's weird. That took time to build that relationship with her. And then I also had to sit and listen. I had to listen to what she told me, you know, and in between those session, sessions, I studied. So that way, when I went back to her and I listened, she, she knew that I listened and she knew that I took it to heart what she said, and then I took a chance to learn a little bit on my own and I asked questions, you know, that took time. It took a lot of time. It, it got to a point where I was able to get my grandmother um, to tell me stories that my mother didn't even hear, like stories about how she grew up. and and things like that so don't rush it don't feel entitled to the information especially if you have a mentor um just take a second to learn to really soak it all in across traditions across traditions easily there are some basic spiritual practice that I found have common threads like these are common things you can find whether you are um you know working from a japanese folk magic perspective whether you are a wiccan whether you are a ceremonial magician like whatever like there are a lot of common threads here which makes sense because we're all human and we all have the same problems right like we we might phrase it differently we might think about them differently but the same issues still arise so the first basic thing to look into. For whatever tradition you might be interested in is how do you maintain spiritual hygiene spiritual hygiene meaning like how do you get the gunk off of you how do you maintain wholeness how do you maintain wellness how do you maintain um you know uh, a clean spiritual space for yourself the second thing is how do you protect yourself from influences you don't want so you know um (laughs) when that sister in the church uh touches uh an auntie with an oil on her hand and shakes it make sure she grabs both hands and speaks over her you know uh that's an influence that my auntie might not want (laughs) you feel what I'm saying like how do you get rid of that if the protection fails that you have up or things like that um how do you how do you rebuild your protection how do you call in your blessings these are all like basic basic common threads that are across multiple traditions that you can study finally and easily most important you got to keep it simple keep it simple one of the ways to keep yourself engaged is to boil down your practice To its most foundational and simple structures And then try to incorporate that into your daily life So say you're going the path of this more new age You know, influenced witchcraft You're making moon water You're making sun tea. You're filling up your herbal apothecary. You have 10 different candle sizes and every color of the rainbow that you have to burn two times a day. You are trying to start an herb garden. You take your crystals outside and you bury them, but don't forget where you buried them. You're learning tarot and you're clarifying the tarot by tossing up these runes and throwing bones and you're tackling celestial bodies and you're trying to time out your spells and you're fretting over retrogrades and you're trying to meditate 30 minutes a day. And I am tired just talking about it. <laughs> like, It's too much. It's too much, cousin. It's just too much. So listen, you don't have to buy everything. You don't have to do everything if you don't feel as though retrogrades um, are meaningful in your practice, then they're not meaningful in your practice. It's that simple. If you don't want to study tarot and you find divination techniques like scrying and I don't know, water, fire, cloud gazing, you find that to be helpful and you only do it when you need it, that's good. <laughs> that, that's enough right? So here's an example of how to keep it simple. You might just work on lining up your spiritual hygiene practice with moon phases. Every new moon, you cleanse your sacred space. That's 13 times a lunar year that you set time aside to remove gunk in your space and reset whatever intentions that you want for your space. Maybe every full moon, you spiritually cleanse yourself. You have a special tea blend that you drink every Sunday morning or a special soap that you use every Friday while you're in the shower. These are all things that you have to do anyway. You're gonna link whatever spiritual practice it is, whatever technique that you're using with a mundane thing in order to make it doable. You have to take a shower friend you gotta get in the bathtub so why not use a special soap after you've like washed yourself with the dove right um you know you're going to drink tea in the morning you drink tea every morning why not use a special blend that you drink uh, to bring in some prosperity in your life keep it simple so that way when you do the bigger things the bigger rituals when you do the um, bigger calling of blessings, it's because you need to, like you have to, you need this change in your life. You you want to reset your path. Like it, it's not an everyday thing to reset your path. You, you got to be tired, cousin. We're not priests. We're not priestesses. You know, we're out here trying to make sure that the kids get to school and we're trying to make sure that our spouse has lunch for uh, the next day. And we're trying to make sure that the, 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 car has gas. We're trying to keep it as simple as possible and maintain ourselves spiritually. That's all we have to do. You make sure that your spiritual practice is in keeping with your life. It can inform your life. It can, um, be intertwined in your life, but don't let it become this thing that you have to go out of your way in order to do. Cause you'll, you'll never do it. <laughs> It it'll get real old real quick, real old real quick. Um, another thing that you can do is you can like replace um, things that you do did before. So if you went to church every Sunday, maybe now every Sunday you meet with a coven. Um, if you went to Bible study every Wednesday, maybe Wednesday's the day where you sit and you uh, meditate. You call back your energy. I don't know. Keep it. Simple, keep it doable, keep it intertwined with your life. A spiritual practice is a lifestyle. Now remember, you get to choose how you live your life. You get to decide what's best for you. Everything matters, nothing matters. Don't overwhelm yourself. Keep it simple. Okay, so... Now you know a little bit more about Coco. You know where I'm coming from, how I got to where I am now. I've dedicated myself to my practice since uh, 2020. So it's not like I've been long in the game. But like I said, um, I you know, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm not trying to solve all your problems. <laughs> I'm just trying to share what I learned. And um, even before I dedicated myself, I was definitely in the space. I was dabbling. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I'm not Christian per se, but, um, I respect all faiths. I respect all paths of life. I think they're all valid. As long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as you're happy, happy and healthy, you can't be wrong. Right. So there's that. I would like to end every podcast if I can with like one of the questions floating around on the boards, the Reddits, the Facebook pages, that kind of stuff. Um, And I'm going to do it until somebody stops me. So let's see how this goes. (laughs) So one of the questions that popped up on Reddit was um, baby witch tips. That was, that's the title. I'm a baby witch, but I'm wanting to gain more experience. I don't have a lot of supplies. So I wanted to see if y'all had any tips on what to do with what I have or suggestions on what to get. This is what I have. Incense. White candle, a red candle, tons of crystals, basic herbs, mainly from my kitchen, LMAO, pendulum, and a pendulum chart that is handmade. I guess I'm just not sure what I can do with the things that I have. I've done a fair amount of research, but I seem to get nowhere with it. I keep hearing about deities, but I don't know how to work with one, or if, uh, to choose, if I have to choose a deity or if they choose me, I'm so, so lost. Here's the thing, cousins. First of all, let's, let's take it one thing at a time. This person says they don't have a lot of supplies, but they've got incense, a white candle, red candles, ton of crystals, basic herbs and kitchen and uh, sorry, basic herbs from their kitchen, a pendulum and a pendulum chart. It sounds to me like you got a lot of stuff, right? Like there's a, a lot going on. Um, and once you're more experienced, you'll learn that that's enough So you can do a lot of things. With a glass of water, a white candle, and some words. You can do a lot. Um, but I think that we need to step back from things. Remember, I'm, all, I'm advocating to keep things simple. So if you have all of those things, but you don't know what to do with them, you don't need those things yet. That, that's where I'm coming from. So they're not sure, and they've done a fair amount of research. I would question, what are you researching? Please don't tell me you think of yourself as a Pokemon, and you're trying to pick your witch type. You know, please, <laughs> please tell me that you're researching um, how these things are used, what they're used for, um, any traditions that might incorporate these items or objects you have. That's probably the best place to start. And for for the <laughs> for the love of all that is divine, this whole thing about deity and choosing your deity leave it alone. (laughs) Unless that's where you want to start your practice, unless you consider yourself theistic pagan and you want to start your practice with uh, deities, maybe give it a break. If you don't know, then don't worry about it. Focus on building yourself up first. I don't think that's a prerequisite to worshiping a deity, calling a deity into your work, but you don't know enough yet to know what you would call them for, what you would need them for, or what divine spirit is best to help you in your situation. So if I was going to answer this post, I would tell the person, you have all of the things, but you don't know how to use them. So focus on how to use them. Focus on what these things are good for, and then pick a thing to try. So if all you have in your kitchen is, I don't know, basil and thyme and uh, I don't know some mint tea bags and some olive oil why not try making a money oil if all you have is um, some pepper and you have I don't know some salt and you've got a white candle why not try a cleansing and protection cleansing and protection uh, spell candle keep it simple but before you do all of that, I think the best thing to do is, is to step back and ask yourself, why am, I, why am I doing this? What is the purpose of my practice? Um, what am I trying to get out of it? And then decide for yourself um, what traditions do I might want to take influence from or just straight up follow? I, I think you need to start there. I think you're putting the cart before the horse. Um, in Wicca, uh, especially, I think, like your Gardnerian Wiccans and the ones that are a little more structured, a little less loose, you have to study for like a year and a day before you even get initiated, before they will let you cast spells with them, do work with them, etc. Um In Hoodoo, in the traditional Hoodoo, people who grew up in conjure families, you had to learn under your elders. You had to learn under your mentor on what to do, and then be initiated into their practice before you can start practicing, like on your own. (laughs) Like you have to, we gotta, you cannot skip the step of study. You cannot skip the step of understanding. If you don't understand and you did not study, then you can have all the things in the world and none of it will mean anything because there is no meaning in your mind to it. Like It's not assigned to any spiritual meaning for you. Yeah. I would tell them to step back, ask themselves, what are they trying to get out of their practice? Um, Tell them that they need to study, research, look into various different traditions across the board that they might be interested in. And then from there, the answer on what to do with the white candle and the red candle and the crystals and the kitchen herbs and the pendulum will come for sure. Okay, hope that works out for that cousin. Okay, so the next question comes from Facebook. It says, I was supposed to get a spell done about six months ago, then told lady I changed my mind while she texts me after New Year's told me she put a death spell. Could this be a scam? Say they need to pay to get off. Okay, that was a lot. So if I, let me just put some punctuation here. <laughs> As they were supposed to get a spell six months ago. They told the person that they were going to get the work from, that they changed their mind. And on New Year's, she texted the poster and said that she would put a death spell on them unless they pay up. For the spell that wasn't cast. And the person's asking, is this a scam? Yes, cousin, it's a scam. Mm -hmm. Now listen, um, again, we are not priests and priestesses. We're trying to maintain our lives and live well. That's what we want to do. So um, it's okay if you go and find yourself um, someone who is a priest, priestess initiated into Dedicated to whatever tradition it is that you are in You get some professional help There's nothing wrong with that However Anybody can say that they are professional You go on Etsy And there's like 15,000 professionals Right So you have to discern Whether or not This person That you are going to Is um, Just you know True to their word they are a decent person they are a part of whatever spiritual space you're walking into whatever tradition you are walking into and if they are scamming you like you got to look for that those signs first one thing for sure two things for certain um I don't allow people to do work for me that I can do myself Uh, that's one thing two if they're online You might want to do a video chat, um, phone call, see, you know, some uh, see if they have any what are they called reviews, (laughs) right? Like you want a trusted source, a trusted person in your community that can do the work for you. And if they come back and say to you, oh, you got to pay me X, Y, Z or else um, I'm going to put this death curse on you. It's not even worth putting up protections for because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know um their craft. They don't know their spiritual work. So block them, move on to the next person. Obvious scam. Obvious scam. Um, I gotta tell you, you think long and hard about your problem before you try to outsource it, you know? And then if you decide to outsource it, you need to go to someone that you can trust, truly. Because um, there are a lot of people in this world who want nothing more than to prey on the gullibility of people in spiritual spaces. It's easy money for them. If they light a candle, put some oil on it, they can say that they did this XYZ spell and then you hand over, I don't know, $500. Like it's easy to do. So it's better if you are going to someone that you trust and you really think about the work you want done before you ask for it to get done. If it's a love spell, it's probably not worth it. if it's a money spell do it yourself why are you spending 500 dollars of money you don't have so that way you can do a spell to get money that don't make sense you know um be careful be careful out there there's a lot of scams around and um we gotta take care of ourselves cousins we gotta take care of ourselves so if you made it this far I just want to say thank you so much uh this was my first episode Of my new podcast and i am nervous (laughs) i am nervous um but i am excited uh to just reach anybody i don't care if it's two people two thousand people um, a dog and a cat i am just excited to get my voice out there and to i don't know participate in the communities that i have um, found my way into and hopefully grow my own community. I I would love to do that, but if not, that's okay. This is a creative endeavor for me. This is a give back moment. This is a feel good moment for me. And um, I think that's enough. But if you like me, if you like where I'm coming from, you like the kind of thing that uh, I'm talking about, if you wanna make sure that you see me again or hear me again, please uh, subscribe to my channel, subscribe to the podcast. Please leave a nice, kind comment, please. um, If I said something that was a hot take and you disagree, I would love to hear what you got to say. I want to, I want to know why you disagree, but also like, don't be rude. (laughs) Don't be rude, friend. Um, And as you walk through the rest of your day, the rest of your night, the rest of your morning, I want to say you are enough. You deserve great things and your blessings come to you when you call for them.